0: The Saguaro Books Radio Hour. This program is a showcase of middle grade, young adult, and new adult fiction. Your host is Mary Nickham, the founder of Saguaro Books, LLC. Saguaro Books is a unique publisher, and this program will show you why, as we bring you the authors and the books of new authors and more. Now, here's Mary Nickham.
1: Good morning. If this doesn't sound quite like Mary, it's because it isn't Mary. It's John Nickham, Mary's husband, and I'm filling in for her this morning, and because she uh, had a bout with some kind of a bad bug over the evening and is uh, uh, not feeling well, and it even had lost her voice, which is a real problem for a radio show. And uh, so we'll uh, move on there, but it. Uh, uh, I, I think it, given that we share an office space and I see what's going on with Saguaro Books and I'm actually considered part of the governing board, I'll try to fill in for her best I can. And our guest for the morning uh, is Saguaro Books author and uh, editor with us also, uh, Tanya Coffey. And I'll uh, tell you, that's spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y. Uh, no. Tanya lives in Stearns, Kentucky. Which is just a little bit above the Tennessee state line and in eastern Kentucky, a very beautiful area. She has a husband and two teenage sons, and they inspire push her to expand the boundaries, they explore new worlds, and and take on new tasks. If she is so interested. Uh, when she isn't reading a fantasy novel with lots of action, she does. She's an artist, and she has. Uh, landscapes around her that are absolutely beautiful. Uh, If you have never visited southeast Kentucky and uh, that area along the Tennessee line, I encourage you to do it. That's beautiful country around her home. You can uh, visit her uh, at her website, which is http colon backslash slash slash c-o-f-f-e-y-t-o-n-y-a dot w-i-x dot com slash Tanya Dash coffee, so good morning Colonia. Uh welcome to the show and uh, we'll pick up and go from here with following mary's directions
2: okay, thank you for having me john
1: well it's uh, it's our privilege and uh, it's been uh, i've I've watched uh, from a chair in the other side of the office with Mary uh, for the last several years as you've uh, moved along with your uh, with your writing, and from the initial one book into on into a series, and uh, Mary has been really uh, impressed with this series that you've called a New World, and it's published by S- Saguaro Books. So, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that series, and what you have in mind, and what you've done so far?
2: Okay, so a New World series—it's um, a magical journey for Jessa. And um, she uncovers this world of secrets, and she finds a destined love, and a a future of um, of magical realms that are all connected within the human world. That's what the series is about. It's about her, you know, trying to discover herself, and the the series is each place that is in the series is a place that is in or around my home. So I kind of bring in different parts of my county or somewhere that I have been here and kind of give it a new life.
1: Sounds very good. Uh, I've driven through your area, and, um, and there's an old adage that says that you should write what you know about, and it sounds like that's exactly uh, what you're doing. Uh, uh, my time in Kentucky has been rather brief. I did uh, actually teach over at Western Kentucky University uh, many years ago. And uh, I have another route there. My uh, great-great-grandfather, Michael, is actually uh, uh, buried somewhere near Dick's Reservoir, which is, I guess, west of you. But uh, it's uh, I've been in the area, and I, I just—the uh, writing about that area must be— uh, must be wonderful. Um, Mary Wong has a list of questions she wanted me to make sure that, uh, I didn't talk too much and ask you to talk. Uh, so uh, other than the fact that this was familiar area to you, why, what other reasons were involved with writing these books?
2: Okay, so the idea of the story come from, I know that it's a cliche thing, but it was a dream. And it was my dream was about this girl who found this yellow lady slipper, and when she touched it, she was transported into a, a different realm, mm. and that was the basis behind the entire story. Um, because I could not shake that dream, and I always <laughs> thought of it, and I, and it, it just stuck with me. I, you know, I wanted to write something that was around that.
1: Very very interesting. Uh, uh, this brings it up the question of. Uh, uh, what? Uh, when did you decide to be a writer? What, uh, what kind of drove you in that direction to, uh, to actually write? A lot of people, they have a dream, and they just kind of write it off and move on. You pick up on it and, and expand it. It's, it's, so what uh, What was behind your decision to start writing?
2: Um, I, I always told stories ever since I was little. And um, the first story that I ever told was, was about a little girl who had lost her dog, and, you know, it took her a long time to find it, and um, so that story always stayed with me, and, you know, I started drawing and painting, and so telling stories either with words or with art was just something that had always been in me, and when my my kids were were little, you know, I decided that it would be something, you know, fun to see if, if I could take a writing class and see what
1: what come of it? Very interesting. <laughs> I I have to laugh a little bit at myself and say there were a couple uh people along the way, teachers and even once in a while my parents, they said, John, you're being a storyteller. <laughs> 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 that that was okay. that was <laughs> that was sent in a little different direction, but uh, the uh uh it uh, it's Something that is in a in a person, I think that uh, it it seems to have uh, run in my father's family, in particular. That there there were a couple of my cousins and myself that uh, that uh, even on the good side of it were considered storytellers. And uh, but uh, I've not translated it into writing. Uh, so that uh, it's interesting that you that you picked up on that uh, and. Uh, I hope the kids have enjoyed it. Do you have any feedback from them as to?
2: Um, <laughs> well, my boys, they they are proud of me. They are happy for me. Um, they know all about my stories. I get ideas from them all the time. Um, when, I actually done one little story that's a picture book that they more or less wrote themselves, and I kind of made <coughs> it for them, but and you know, they they're all the time, you know, telling me how proud they are of me.
1: Well, with the, with the boys helping you along there uh, as a child, uh, did you have any idea that you were going to become a writer? Or did you have other things you wanted to be when you when you grew up?
2: <laughs> um, I think that art has always been, you know, in my blood. I, you know, I did that since I was like eight years old, and so I always thought, you know, I would be a, this big artist, and I'd have all my paintings in museums everywhere, and I'd have, you know, big shows, and that was just—that's what I thought that I would be, would be that.
1: Mm-hmm. And there does seem to be uh, something of a being born with those talents that—that uh, that I recall some of my school classmates uh, that. Uh, uh, it seemed like just from the time they were almost infants had this ability to uh, express themselves in art. On the uh, other side of it, uh, uh, <laughs> I remember taking a college class in something called plant morphology or about the structure and f- shape of plants and all. And, and uh, I ended up getting a lower grade in it uh, than I expected. Uh, it was still a decent grade, but lower. And uh, the professor said, you can't draw it. You don't really know it. <laughs> so I did the best I could, <laughs> yeah. but not an artist. Uh, uh, have there been any uh, things you felt you had to overcome, uh, any struggles or obstacles that you had to overcome in order to uh, launch this writing career? Um.
2: Probably mostly just my own self-doubt, you know, not not having all the faith in myself that I could do it. You know, my husband and my kids were my big, they're my big support, so they're the ones who push me a little bit more. And with them, I think I have more confidence. But I think that's, that is my biggest.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, uh, I have I have four biological children and two stepchildren, so I've seen that in uh And and myself and them and and see it in in them also that sometimes the uh, self-doubt is the uh, thing that gets in in your way and uh, and, uh, so but I'm glad to see that uh, they were able to convince you and and move on uh, the uh, do you have any other book topics? Uh, and you've obviously got your art that you can work on continually, but do you have any other book topics that are kind of in, in the queue waiting to be developed? Or will this series uh, uh, that your work you have been working on be pretty much of your focus?
2: Um, Well, I've got a spin-off series of A New World that I am working on, Um, so that one is probably going to be my favorite so far. I'm really excited about it. Um, They will be a couple of characters from A New World series that will be in the new series. Um, It will be, um, of course, in Kentucky, because, you know, I, I grew up in Kentucky, so I know I know Kentucky, I know the mountains and the woods and the feel. And um, and it will be, it will resolve around a, a girl and her search for her family, I guess you would say. Um, don't want to give away too much <laughs> about the story. This is not really, you know, out there yet. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it.
1: Well, will that one be uh, focused also on uh, middle grade, young adult, uh, or? Uh...
2: Um, I believe you know it will be. It will be middle grade. I am. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's probably the higher side. But um, well, the the, the girl in it, she she's 15, so mm-hmm. it would be middle grade. I'm I'm sure.
1: Yeah. The. Uh, do. You, so that that'll probably keep you pretty busy from doing uh, any other types of uh, books and uh, uh, but are there other genre that you think you might enjoy when you complete those projects?
2: Um, yes, there is a contemporary romance that that I am working on also, so I kind of got my my time split between a couple but um yeah I, I've been working on it uh, those books are something that I've been working on for a really long time so they they are for about motorcycles and so I wanted to do something that was different for young adults and there's so many books for adults about motorcycle clubs and so forth and I said well it would be fun to see a young adult's perspective in that way mm-hmm. so that's what those those books will be about.
1: <laughs> oh, very interesting the uh, the uh... <laughs> Uh, I, giving them, uh, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a geezer at this stage of my life. I re- things come to mind as you mentioned that, and uh, I remember years ago uh, I was uh, in Ames, Iowa, teaching there at that time, and uh, the uh, at a local service club meeting, the author of a romance series. It, it wasn't uh, necessarily young adult romance or anything. It was just uh, it was pretty steamy stuff. And I remember the, the poor lady being terribly embarrassed when one of the club members said, well, we're always told to write about what we know, and this stuff is pretty steamy. What does that say? <laughs> 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 like you, she was able to laugh and say, no, that's not me. <laughs> but, yep, it's uh,
2: not always about you.
1: <laughs> and uh, uh, Mary... Uh, what, Okay, uh, I, I guess that means we should break. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, we'll let Josh, today, our, our man behind the scenes here, pick it up, and uh, we'll come back and pick up uh, the story on uh, some of the additional questions after that. And, uh, and so it's been most enjoyable to, so far. I think Mary would have, is going to regret that she, didn't, uh, that she caught this bug and hasn't been able to be here today. So we'll be back with you in a few minutes.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Saguaro Books, LLC, is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known. What's unique about us is that we don't work with agents. We work directly with the authors. We're a fiction-only publisher that specializes in first-time authors, middle-grade and young adult fiction. And we have a new section for new adult fiction. Find us on the web at saguarobooks.com. All of our books are also available on major ebook sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit saguarobooks.com. in real estate stocks annuities and other investment vehicles that's the money answer show with jordan goodman on the voice america business channel every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. To speak with Mary Nickham or her guest, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to mjnickham.com. At SawaroBooks.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Well, welcome back, uh, listeners, and uh, we'll continue with our conversation with uh, Tanya Coffey, the uh, author of uh, a series of books that uh, uh, are based on uh, things that she is, knows and observes in their uh, home area in, in southeastern Kentucky. Um. so Mary is uh, is ill today so this is John her husband filling in for her and uh, so I'm trying to stick with the uh, the script that Mary developed and uh, uh, so the question was uh, that next I think the list was what do you Tanya think makes a good story but,
2: oh, I think that there's so many elements that make a good story. I mean, of course you got to have good characters and you got to have a good plot, but but you got to got to have so much emotion in a story because if you don't have that emotion then people's not going to connect to it and they're not going to want to read it.
1: Very interesting the uh, emotion. Uh, I think uh I spent my life in uh my professional life in in science and uh, and and of course, the last thing that they they want to um, include in a in a scientific treatise is emotion. They want facts, you know. And but for novels, people aren't going to connect that well to the to that. So, emotion very good point uh, for future authors to consider that and make sure they bring it in. Uh, Mary uh, has this question: Of all the stories you could have written, <laughs> why did you choose this? particular these particular books
2: um well besides it being a dream i think i kind of connected with jessa more than any other i mean she she was somebody that you know that i could have been i mean she was she was somebody that you always wanted to be as a little girl she was you know this amazing person who of course she didn't belong in the human world but when she goes to the realm of fairies then she's she's their queen. She's what everybody wants to be and you know, she's she's strong and she's brave and of course she she helps everybody. She she's that person that everybody can turn to and that's that's who you want to be and mm-hmm. I think that's why I kinda stayed on that route with with that series because it was, it was somebody that, that I wanted other people to see in me.
1: Yeah. the uh, Mary would tell you that uh, I have been known to be a little bit of a smart aleck once in a while. So the question becomes now, does your husband and, and your boys ever call you Queen Tanya?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, they don't take it that uh, far.
1: Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, Another question would be: What was one of the most surprising things you you learned about writing and about yourself in in, in creating these books?
2: Well, when I first wrote these books, well, the very first story, Harvest Moon, um, that story was was created by going through the writing class that I took, and I finished it, and that was, you know, when I, when I got my certificate for for graduating. And, um, it, I was surprised that it took so much time and energy to actually sit down and think about these characters and about this plot and how you're supposed to, to make these, these people be real people. And you're supposed to write this story, you know, so elaborately. And I didn't, I didn't know that was all the work that it took. And then when it was published and I started on book two, I didn't realize that I had to really focus on so many different elements of, of the stories. And I had to really, you know, uh, study and do a lot of research and trying to figure out things and make things work right. And I just I just thought I could just write down a bunch of words and <laughs> hand it in and say, here's my story, and then that would be it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that whole thing of character development, uh, I've heard Mary in discussing with other authors uh, and other writers you know, talk quite at length about uh, uh, the difficulty of character development and getting a character that people will identify with and, uh, and all uh, I think we've talked a little bit about one of the other questions she offered uh, about your how much of your personal psyche and your own insecurities and struggles were involved. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that. Or
2: well, there's a lot of me in in the story. Of course, you know I'm I'm a big romantic, so of course there's there is elements of romance in all of my books because you know I just that's just who I am, and. The Jessa herself, you know, the, her likes and dislikes are probably me more than anybody else. Yeah, you know, I didn't want her to be exactly like me, but I'm sure she she's more me than than I wanted
1: her to be. The uh, again the and I don't mean this in a flippant way at all. But uh, I, I say your your husband and sons are lucky to have a romantic uh, person in their life. Uh, it uh, it makes life. So much more involved and so more interesting to have somebody that has that romantic spirit because it it goes beyond just what people think of as romance being a romantic person is it, it, a very uh complex uh thing and that's uh, that's that's good uh, what uh, do you think if you have any quirks uh, what would they be
2: okay so so my biggest quirk is. <laughs> When I first start a story, I I have to write it with a pencil. So I have a one-inch binder full of college-rolled paper and a pencil, and that's how I start my stories. And it just starts out as maybe um, um, this girl is going to meet this boy, but how am I going to get it there? And so that's how my stories start. I'm so completely different from some people. It just the the stories just kind of come from nowhere and and become what they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Interesting. The, the, I'm uh, reminded of, uh, not so much from the sound of telling stories, but how strongly I resist becoming a, a computer nerd that, uh, that my office presented me with a computer and it was probably two years before I ever used it <laughs> because I was used <laughs> to writing on pencil and paper. And... Uh, it's hard, that was hard to get used to composing at a uh, at a type at a uh, uh, keyboard for a computer. But uh, uh, do you hear from your I, rea- Do you hear from your readers?
2: Um, I do. I hear from readers. Um, they all tell me how they love Jessa and Micah and how they love the story. And and you know, they were sad that I ended it. And I said, well, you know. You got to let them live their lives. Time to move on.
1: Yeah, yeah. very good. The um, the all of this it, it sounds like you're extremely busy, and and uh, I can think back to uh, you've only got a couple of teenagers, and, and I had a, a point in my life where I had four teenagers in the house, and. Uh, I often say the oldest I have ever been was when I was forty years old, and the house was filled with teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, do you do you have uh, such a thing as spare time?
2: I do. I am very lucky that I have spare time. You know, my husband he works, and I am lucky enough that I can stay home and take care of the house and and my kids. I mean, I have I have one in college and. The other one's a senior in high school, so I I get to write when when I have that urge that I've got to write something down, and you know, and I paint when when someone asks me for for something. And, you know, I usually do a lot of portraits, and you know that that's my day. You know, I, I'm lucky.
1: Well, it's it's great to feel that way uh, on it that uh, the uh, as a uh, first half of my professional career was in the college university world, so I always have to ask uh, when there's someone going to college, where is your son going?
2: He's going to Eastern Kentucky University.
1: Okay. Now the uh, <laughs> my most memories of, of Eastern Kentucky was when I was there at Western Kentucky, and uh, the Eastern was the most dreaded foe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, when it came to the basketball court, in particular, the uh, and all, but uh, the uh, it's uh, my own teaching ranged all the way from uh, like Western Kentucky and South Dakota State, which is mostly uh, rural kids that uh, uh, were looking at education as a way to move their life forward. To uh, I did spend several years at Cornell University, and the. Uh, there was a difference uh, in the, uh, basically kids, but still there was a difference in those that uh, had lived a different life than uh, those of us from a rural background. So it's that's uh, interesting. The uh, Do you have suggestions for listeners as to how they can become better writers?
2: Um, I'd just say you know, stick with what you know, write what you know. Because if you do, then you're you're a lot more focused on what you write than if you try to do something that you have no idea about. Because trying to make yourself do so much research to figure something out, it's you're not going to put your heart <coughs> into it.
1: The uh, the amount of research involved. One of uh, Mary has only written a couple books of herself, and the second one was uh, a girl named Mary, which is about. Mary the mother of Jesus and her life before uh, becoming the mother of Jesus, uh, which was a young actually a young woman when that had, came about but uh, she uh, had to do an enormous amount of research on what life was like for a young girl in Israel at the time of so okay.
2: and I say that was hard
1: yeah that, that was hard Dan uh, um, did uh, publishing that first book uh, change your process of writing?
2: Um, yeah, I think I I do do research first. Um, I when I I'll write write it on the paper and then I'll type it out and I print it out and then I rewrite it and then I do it all again. Before when I that first book I did it one time and then I edited it and then I reread it and added more stuff. But now I think that I go through it, and I think I probably do it four times now, and before I would only do it twice.
1: Okay, I think that... Uh, i trying to see here on my prompt here as to what our time is here, but uh, the uh, we've got a little time, I think, before uh, we take another break. So, uh, need to break. Okay, thank you. Uh, we're going to break, and uh, after we come back, I'll have a couple of questions, and then uh, it would be good for you to uh, read uh, some of the materials from uh, a book of your choice.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Saguaro Books, LLC, is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known. What's unique about us is that we don't work with agents. We work directly with the authors. We're a fiction-only publisher that specializes in first-time authors, middle-grade and young adult fiction. And we have a new section for new adult fiction. Find us on the web at SaguaroBooks.com. All of our books are also available on major e-book sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit SaguaroBooks.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the
1: time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day
0: on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to the saguaro books radio hour to speak with mary nickham or her guest please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you may send an email to M J at SawaroBooks Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back, uh, listeners, and uh, this is John Nickum, Mary's uh, husband. She's not feeling well today, so uh, we're uh, I'm filling in and trying to trying to handle things that she would uh, want to know about. Uh, one thing before we run out of time or anything, where can uh, listeners? Uh, Purchase your books.
2: Okay, so all the books can, you can buy them anywhere books are sold. So Amazon and iTunes and Barnes and & Noble, all the good places.
1: Good. And uh, one interesting one that uh, Mary had never mentioned this one to me. She said, basically, what would you like your epitaph to be? What words would you leave the world when you, hold uh, well, on. Uh, Leave the world with when you when you're gone. <laughs>
2: um, never stop believing, because I mean, when you believe in yourself okay. and what you can do, you can you could do anything. You could conquer the world.
1: Very very good. I really uh, uh, that was. Uh, I'd like to say one of the reasons I have spent quite a bit of my life teaching, and uh, it was uh, when I left teaching and went into Washington, D.C. to try to make a difference in the bureaucracy. That was one of the things I kept in mind, that you can make changes, it can be done. Uh, and we'll not go into politics now, but that's uh, it's very important to uh, keep that in mind. So, uh, the uh, let's see. Uh, well, I guess Mary uh, wanted to, listeners to know where they could learn more about you and uh, and your books. Would the website so, be the best bet?
2: Yes, the website is the best place to, to find me. I mean, they, if they have any questions or anything, they can send me a, a message on <clears throat> there, and all the books can be found on there, a little bit about me, and any upcoming news.
1: Okay, and uh, if... Uh, I have on my own a little bit uh, there, I did take a look to see what is online to, uh, about Stearns County was, uh Kentucky, and uh, there's some very interesting information there, not specific to you, but about the area you live in and and where it's going. So with that, uh, let me be quiet, and uh, maybe you pick some passages to, uh, to read uh, that listeners can get a f- flavor for w- your words.
2: Okay, so I'm going to read Jess's first dream, the one that really shakes her and makes her want to know you know, why she has these weird dreams all the time. So, run, Lily. My legs obeyed the command from the man who held on to my arm. I didn't know why I was running, but I could tell by the look on his face I should run. My body felt odd as I ran beside him. I wasn't the woman, but I felt connected to her somehow. I knew everything she did, but I also knew... I was not her, and I wasn't the one who was running through the night. Corwin, that was his name. I remember meeting him at the river when I was young. He's my husband. Through my peripheral vision, I saw Corwin's profile. He had dark hair like stained walnut, and when he glanced at me as he helped me over the fallen trees, I saw eyes bluer than any ocean. His face was set in a hard frown with wrinkles pressed between his brows. I had only seen that look on his face once. When his parents died, my heart picked up the pace with my own worry. We were in trouble. A loud howl erupted behind us. I stumbled over the underbrush as a chill ran from head to toe. I knew at that moment why I was running. They were coming. They were the creatures my people said didn't exist anymore. That they had died out when the ancients and the sylphs began the war. The war lasted ten years and nothing was gained. The people from the colonies were cast from their homes and lost. "'Ancients were extinct, and the sylphs took over what was left. "'I am a sylph. "'Hurry,' Corwin pulled me through the darkness. "'They are coming closer. "'One after another, the howls erupted around us. "'My breath caught in my throat as trees crashed to the ground "'like dominoes following us. "'We weaved through the gray trees following a single ray of moonlight. "'It was our beacon in the darkness, "'leading us either to safety or to our demise. "'The sound of running feet like a pack of wolves came closer.' Their paws snapped branches. A growl from ahead blocked us. We abruptly stopped, sinking into the mud beneath our feet. Sweat trickled down my spine as I tried to steady my heart. My eyes darted into the darkness, trying to find the animals. I wanted to see them, but deep down, I knew where each one stood. I could feel their presence, and they radiated evil. Yellow eyes appeared before us from the blackened bushes. They seemed to appear into my soul as they stared at me. Corwin pulled me against his chest, shielding me from the sight. I didn't resist. I knew I didn't want to see what came next. As if in a clockwise motion, another beast came from the darkness, enclosing us in the center of his or her trap. Tears came to my eyes, and I squeezed them shut. As the howls of victory burst out in song, my memory went to a baby, my baby. She lay in a bassinet that was made of vines gathered from the trees in the forest. She lay looking up at candles floating in the air. The flickering light illuminated the rock walls, encircling her. I began to cry at the sight of my child. Hush, Corwin soothed. This is for her, so she will live. I looked up at his face, his eyes filled with more emotion than I could ever imagine. I know, it is our sacrifice. I swallowed hard as I tiptoed to reach his lips. A beam of red light burst from the beast. My body began to sizzle and fire spread in waves. Pain I had never experienced before spread across my flesh. Thousands of tiny stings started at my toes and rose to my neck. Heat engulfed me. The smell of burning hair seeped into my nostrils. I gagged from the stench of my melting skin. Corwin's eyes were on me. I tried to be strong and not give the animals what they wanted to show him I was as brave as he was. I didn't want to look weak, but the pain radiated, growing and pulsing. It tore at me until I couldn't take any more. So I screamed. So that was Jess's first dream.
1: Hmm. Very, yes, <laughs> I can see uh, you know, why the uh, your readers like what uh, what you have written. The uh, uh, I think we have a, a couple of minutes here so we can uh, just talk a little bit about some other possibilities here. And uh, uh, that uh, uh, Mary uh wanted to include uh, I think sometimes the questions she asks relate to uh, back to her uh, younger life and and all that uh, she says that she can't remember a time uh, when she didn't love to read and uh, her younger sister wanted to play with various ways and she's all you want to do is read (laughs) and and, uh, I think it comes forward into that so uh, the uh one of the questions uh, that uh, had is, uh, when did you really learn that that uh, words and, and language had some real power?
2: Well, I didn't understand that words had power until I was uh, nine or ten years old. I had had a dog, and something had happened to it, and... I was emotional, and I was crying, and so I I wrote this little story, and, you know, it was just just me putting my feelings on paper, and I didn't have no idea that my mom put it in the newspaper. (laughs) Well, people were coming up to me at school, teachers, and asking me about it, and, you know, and just talking about it, and that was the first time I realized that you could write something and people would connect with you.
1: Very, very good. The, uh, yeah, the uh, well, something like that too. I think you you sort of bare your soul when you're writing something like that, and uh, the the more genuine you seem, I think the more uh, that uh, that is true. The uh, when I was in doing my professorial thing in the universities, I always required a uh, a term paper, and. Uh, one of the students, I remember, had had a pretty traumatic experience. He, had, uh, he loved to hunt and fish, and he had thought he was going on a hunting trip with these guys. Well, it turned out they were professional poachers, and he wrote about what it did to him and what the emotions he felt to be out there with these essentially outlaws. And, uh, uh, wow, <laughs> this, this really, uh, as... Just as his, as his teacher, it it got I got into it thoroughly uh, under, you know the, the, the feelings that were involved. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, when you when you bear your soul and write, uh, there is some real power there. Uh, let's yes, see. Yes, I agree. The uh, well, it was on this kind of. We've kind of talked about this, but what what do you think is the most difficult part? Of the whole artistic process,
2: Um, I think the the most difficult part would be probably trying to do my action scenes, trying to come up with you know how people fight Uh, because I'm not a fighter, so (laughs) that's where my research comes in of how people move and all of that. Um, You know, I could I could. I could write a scene with with two people talking about love all day long, but when it comes to two people battling out with a sword, and I think that's probably my my hardest part
1: I, I think I can identify i've always jokingly said, Hey, I'm a lover, not a fighter <laughs> <laughs> and, <Yep. laughs> and uh, the uh it's uh yeah it's it's and I think also until there's the uh for you it would be very difficult to talk about something where you're manipulating people. That would uh, be something that... So are there any... Uh, I think I just saw that we almost uh, approaching break. So, uh, And uh, is there anything you would like to add at this point?
2: Um, only that, you know, a New World series is... From, from the beginning to the end, these characters are so real you know i i feel like that i know each of them i feel like they're a part of my family and it's so amazing that that you can that you can create something that is real to you and and you hope that other people can can feel that way too when they read them.
1: very very interesting well, it's been a pleasure talking with you uh uh tanya i was uh, sorry that uh, mary did not uh could not enjoy this. I, I don't know if she's listening in on us or or not, but uh, she uh, didn't indicate one. So, uh, we'll be in touch further and uh, you and Mary continue this uh, publishing and writing and publishing careers for both of you. And Best of luck. And we hope one... Well, we uh, certainly hope that uh, at some point along the line the uh, we will... Uh, be able to uh, get out to uh, Stearns County and, and and maybe see the whole area. It's an area I have not personally been in, but my uh, older daughter lives over in Roanoke, Virginia, so it's kind of on the way from Arizona over there. So maybe we'll look yes, for it. Yes,
2: it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, uh,
2: we, we have a lot of the, the mountains here, and, um, of course, there's a lot of people that talk about Lake Cumberland and stuff. You know, that's really close. And <clears throat> the Daniel Boone is is my backyard. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of forest around where I live.
1: The you mentioned Cumberland, that uh, Lake Cumberland, that uh, one of my little stories. A student uh, in one of my classes uh, came uh, stood in the doorway of my office and he cussed me out. Ending, <laughs> ending, of course, with sir, <laughs> being polite. So, Terry, you need to explain. And he showed me a picture of the fish that his buddy caught, and he would have been fishing with him, except that he stayed in town all weekend to study for my exam. <laughs> <laughs> so you're entitled to cuss me out on that one. There was a stringer of, full of smallmouth bass. The smallest one is about six pounds. So. <clears throat> and... Uh, is, uh interesting how th- these things will relate. And uh, in, in my case, one story always brings on a- another one. So uh, uh, I guess the um, – oh, <laughs> I've got a little note here that says we've got some time left, quite a bit of time. And, <laughs> Okay, do you have anything else that you would like to read? or that was
2: Okay, um, well, I can read my favorite scene out of all the books.
1: That would be great.
2: Okay. <clears throat> Standing in the forest, shadows drifted from the horizon as the night covered the land. The moon, large and round, a hint of pink along the edge, hung high in the blackened sky. I stared out at the darkness. The light highlighted enough of the vegetation I could see, but most was as dim as the heavens above me. Leaning against the tree, the bark scratched my left arm as I pushed my weight into the trunk, watching, listening, waiting. I knew I needed to return to the castle, but something pulled at me to return to the spot where I battled the executioners, where Zeus and his pack helped me rescue Jessa from the falls. On this hill, we defeated many. On this hill, I truly felt like a king. Maybe that was why I'm here, to find my purpose. My eyes swept the ground. Small remnants of the battle were left behind. Leather straps, trampled snow, the tin of blood, and the smell of death lingered in the air. I squeezed my sword handle as I lived the moments, each of my swings as I worked to get to Jessa. I fought my way through the ones who wanted to hurt her, to kill her. Grinding my teeth from the anger I felt. I lifted my sword. The moon glistened along the handle and up the blade, highlighting the sharp point. As I stared at the tip, a movement caught my attention. Slowly, I lowered the blade and focused on the figure, which broke the soft light floating through the trees onto patches of light snow. Inch by inch, I stepped back, using the tree as a barrier between us until I could see who or what made its way through the forest toward me. One step at a time, a figure emerged from the darkness. At first, long legs came forward then the torso and arms that gently swung back and forth with its low cadence. Lastly, the head appeared in the beam of moonlight, showing me what I expected. I narrowed my eyes at the features, which should have only been made into statues and not a man. Trolls were too pretty in their human form, tricking those who happened to cross their path. Gripping the handle, the leather weave soft against my palm, I stepped from behind the tree into the troll's view. At the sight of me, he flinched. The glimpse of me in the forest at midnight must have been as odd to him as it was for me. When he lowered his head, eyes locked on me. I wondered if he knew who I was. Was he one of the many who stood on this hill and watched as I sliced Elam's head from his shoulders? Was he afraid of the one who killed so many? A growl erupted from the darkness, one I did not know from whom it came. With each step he took, his body transformed into the tree, which was his other half. It was his form that I had only witnessed until today. Lifting my sword, I ran at the tree. My heart raced, thumping against my chest as the distance between us shortened. His arm lifted, the branch extended toward me. Small finger-like twigs twisted to form his thick wooden sword. It was a dark replica of my own, only feet longer. I swung my sword at the branch. The sound of metal colliding with hard wood rang into the stillness. The thud reminded me of a dull axe chipping at the meat of a hickory left and right i advanced however with each strike the troll laughed at my attempt to best him bark flew into the air from the spot where my sword made contact with his wooden flesh the sound of his laughter mocked me with each attempt frustration fueled me faster and harder i swung as i tried to defeat the troll my breath came rapidly but i was not ready to stop not until the beast was lying on the ground at my feet in the pile of sawdust so that is my was my favorite scene to write. I, I don't know what it was about it, but I, it was my favorite. I think it was because Micah became this. He knew exactly who he was in that moment. He was a king, and he had to he had to be strong
1: and that's a, great, <laughs> a great action scene. It's not having lighting or having trouble writing action of that sort. Uh, you did a pretty good job there. I, uh, <laughs> Thank you. A, a question that uh, Mary did not include, but uh, I'll throw it in because I, I see it coming up again and again uh, among uh, the uh, authors that uh, are with Sawaro Books and uh, that uh, contact Sawaro Books. And all. They uh, often think that getting the book published well, they think that getting a writing written was the first, was all they needed to do well. There's – from that first writing until the the publishers get through with their editing and, and all that goes into that, there's quite an effort there. But probably the biggest surprise that – from at least from an observer point of view, uh, sitting in a desk uh, that's, that's right across from Mary's, is that it comes as a real shock to many, many authors that – they will have to do the bulk of the promoting themselves the publishers do not really do that even for the big authors the uh, you know the if you know Michelle Obama has written a book you know she still has to do much of her own promotion even though it's with one of the big publishers so uh what uh, what have been your experiences in finding uh outlets to promote your book. You said it was available through Amazon and uh, and Barnes and Noble and several places, but do you do things locally to promote your books or on a broader scale within the area or gardening within the country? What what's your experience um, with promotion?
2: Well, with promotion, I'm, most of my promoting is is online. Most of it is through newsletter swaps with other authors. Um, through giveaways and um, through just just in different places on like Facebook, there's there's a lot of groups on there. Um, you can have you can you can do a lot of book talks on um, blogs and you can do interviews on blogs and you know just anywhere that I could to to get my books out there is what I would do. Um, um, I'm one of those people, you know, because, you know, we, we only have one income here at the house. So, you know, it, I really have to watch what I spend Mm -hmm. when it comes to promoting and to the books and stuff. And so I think that's probably, you know, one of the things when, when I look at, at promoting, I always try to do something that's free or, you know, I help out an author; they help me out. Yeah. So, they, I mean that that that's a big thing in the author community, I believe. Um, in in town, um, the local library is is a big help to me. You know, I love all them ladies out there, and they always help me when when a new book comes out. They always, you know, have a book signing and and they always let me come in and read every now and then. And so, I always have fun with them and.
1: Well, that yeah, sounds good it's been great talking with you uh, tanya and uh, till we meet again best of luck on everything so
2: thank you very much for having me
0: thank you for tuning in to Sawara books radio hour host mary Nickum invites you to join us again next monday at 2 p.m eastern time and 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel we'll have more to discuss then